Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. to another sports daily on a Wednesday. Wednesdays are fun days, the midweek, the hump day. It's all here for us. We will welcome in Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Perhaps a good opportunity to look ahead to a little KU hoops today on the KU football bye week. We'll also speak with Wichita State Athletics Director Kevin Saul, ahead of Shocker Madness tomorrow night and the start of the season is right around the corner. Those are the guests today. Your calls, 869-1240, always welcome. Jad Chambers produces for us. Alongside Tommy Castor, I'm Jacob Albrocht. We welcome you in. A couple of news items we'll get to today. An update, sort of, on Adrian Martinez ahead of K-State's big game this weekend. And Tommy, we begin today, and good morning, with Frank Clark suspended for a couple of games. This goes back to uh, the incident, well, two, really, of having guns that he shouldn't have, where he shouldn't have them, in a place he shouldn't have them, uh, about a little over a year ago here, uh, that this all happened and he's being punished now by the NFL. Good morning, Tommy. What did you think of the Frank Clark news? Yeah, good morning, Jacob. Um, yeah, this has gone on for a long time. So there's a part of me that uh, I'm, I'm glad that we finally have it settled. We know what the punishment is. We don't have to kind of wait around and, and, you know, anticipate what might happen to Frank Clark. We know now. We know it's a two-game suspension that starts immediately. We know that there's not an appeals process. This is the final decision. He will be suspended for the next two games for Kansas City. And now I think uh, the Chiefs are in a position to, you know, go ahead and, um, you know, you've got to deal with that. You've got to move on the next couple of games after the bye week and uh, and then, you know, anticipate having Frank Clark back in, in what, three weeks from now? So that's, that's the overall plan. Yeah, it's um, – did you have any issue with the timing? Because I saw that <laughs> – I saw that people, of course – and I shouldn't be surprised by this, but, oh, I can't believe the timing for Frank Clark. This is so unfair. Did, did you have any, any uh, of that in you on this? Not necessarily the timing as it relates to the schedule, but I had a problem with how long it took to get this resolved. I mean, this happened, the first incident was in March of 2021. The second incident was in June of 2021. So that first incident, we're coming up on two years and we finally have a two game suspension. This should have been taken care of a long time ago. This should have been something that was announced during the off season and having Frank Clark suspended for the first two games of the year. And we talked about this a little bit with Willie Gay, that whole situation too, about how long it took. And I, and I know the NFL wants to wait until the legal process is done, but my understanding with the Frank Clark situation, I seem to remember the legal process was settled a while ago. Um, and it, it's taken the NFL this long to, to bring down the punishment which I think that's a little iffy for me. Um, but as far as like you look at the schedule for Kansas City coming up, and I don't have a problem with that necessarily. I just have a problem with how long it took them. I, you know, I, th- this is 
if it was unique to Frank Clark, maybe I'd have a problem with it. But this is always how the NFL works on these. They take their amount of time, and there is no set amount of time, and they operate within that and and move when they you know get through their process. I suppose. I mean, we're still waiting on Alvin Kamara, right? We're still there's there's a lot of these that linger like this, so. It doesn't bother me because it's not unique to Frank Clark. Is the process right? I'll fully admit right here on the public airwaves that I don't understand the process enough to make that call. Do I wish they could move with more expedience? Sure, I do. I remember the Deshaun Watson situation. I absolutely wish they could move a little quicker on this stuff, but they never do. So it's not like Frank Clark was singled out here. Um, you know, it's it, the other piece of it is like, don't please don't take temp- sympathy for Frank Clark here, right? Like Frank Clark screwed up and he's got to be punished. The timing of it shouldn't be the issue. The issue should be that Frank Clark did something, right? That got him suspended. That's that's where I think we we have to focus at first. Um that's just that's just the the crux of it, right? Don't don't break the law, right? I mean, we 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 have that sympathy it, you know, take off the fan glasses for a second and even if you are a fan be thankful that 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 it came at this time because if you had to cherry pick a time for a two-game suspension this would literally be that time coming out of a bye week where the chiefs have plenty of time to prepare without him and facing two home games and maybe the softest two-game stretch at least on paper that your schedule has on it so quite frankly the chiefs got lucky that it timed out this way right like would you have rather him been suspended for the Buffalo game or even the opening? Like, this was this was perfect timing as far as on the field. Yeah, am I the only one, though, that really doesn't think this is that big of a deal? And, and by that, I don't mean the, the actual offense that Frank Clark did. That was stupid. He did it twice. And, you know, the, 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 he's he, lucky he's he only being, got suspended for two right, games. He's being frankly. punished accordingly. Um, I don't really think it's that big of a deal to lose Frank Clark for two games, yeah, regardless of the two games. Yep. I really don't. Um, and, and so I've, I've, I've looked on, I've seen on Twitter people, you know, outraged and, you know, chiefs fans and I'm a chiefs fan too, but you know, a lot of people are, Oh my God, we can't believe this. The, the defense is sunk. Uh, really is the defense. I don't think, I don't think so. I don't see that. I don't think this is that big of a deal. Really? You know? Yeah. Frank Clark had a good game against the 49ers. He was fired up. He was motivated. He said as much after the game. But outside of that, this season, he's been okay. But I don't think this is a monumental loss for Kansas City, especially when you look at the next couple of games they have coming up. Power rank the Chiefs defensive players. Let, I mean, just like off the top of our heads, right? Let's think about that for a second and power rank the Chiefs defense. Where would Frank Clark be if you had to power rank them? Is he the third best player uh, well I mean are he, we are we talking about fourth best player are we talking about defense? talent or are we talking about results and healthiness and that sort of thing because I mean I would I'm play... talking about just the most important guy to the defense like if we're okay. ranking his importance to the defense um I mean maybe fifth is maybe where yeah, I would put right him. fifth maybe you know yeah I mean I, you've I'm got you. you've got Chris Jones obviously um, I think Willie Gay is is essential for Kansas City's defense. I think George Karloftis is probably at this point more important than Frank Clark is. Trent McDuffie, when healthy, is more important than Frank Clark is. I mean, there are several people 
on that defensive unit that are more important right now as it stands than Frank Clark is. Uh, yes, I totally agree. I mean, I don't think there's much doubt about it. Um, so now we say that and also note, like in the game against San Francisco, there are times where he can change a game, right? He can absolutely change a game at times, as he did against San Francisco. The problem with Frank Clark has always been that's not consistent, right? He shows up sometimes and he doesn't show up far more often. That's That's been the issue and why the contract had to be real, all, all the things that, you know, in big moments he has shown up, he helped them win a Super Bowl because he showed up at the right time. Um, I, I just, yes, I'm with you. He's not, it's, it's not as big a deal as the headline might make it seem. Frank Clark has always been a headline guy, right? He got the massive contract. They gave up a ton to get him. He has fantastic quotes because they're always interesting, just like he did after the San Francisco game. But he's got a checkered past, and he made some mistakes here. And he need, you know, he broke the rules. He broke the law. He's lucky he's not in jail, quite frankly. And he got to be. He had to be suspended. So I just, I don't, I don't have any issue with the process, only because it's the same way the process always works out. Can it be inconvenient at times, like it was with Willie Gay? Sure. But again, I don't want that to overshadow the fact that Willie Gay had a domestic violence incident. Now. You know, I'm not getting into the legality of it, but he put himself in a bad situation. Frank Clark put himself in a bad situation. You have to start there, and then you can just sort of look at it from a fan's perspective or or an on-the-field perspective. And while they didn't get lucky with Willie Gay and the timing was pretty bad, timing with Frank Clark couldn't be better. Like, it could not be better. If you had to say, all right, all right, Andy Reid, you get to pick two games that Frank Clark has to miss this year. What do you pick? It would probably be these two games out of the bye week at home. I mean, come on. Yeah, and from a from a pure football perspective, this is not nearly as big of a deal as the Willie Gay situation. I mean, you mentioned that this is not as big of a deal as the headline might indicate. It's not as big of a deal from a football perspective as the Willie Gay suspension. We saw the Chiefs miss Willie Gay, and they were exposed in stopping the run uh, especially the final two games that Willie Gay was suspended for, the game against the Raiders and the game against the Bills. They needed Willie Gay big time because you know the, the, the defense was getting gashed on the ground in those two games. I don't think that over the next two games, regardless of the opponent, it could be the Bills, uh, it could be the, the Titans or the Jags. I don't really think it necessarily matters. I don't, I don't think in those two games you're going to you're going to leave that game and you're going to look at it in retrospect and be like man that outcome would have been a lot different if Frank Clark was on the field. I don't think that's the case. Doesn't I don't think it necessarily matters who the opponent is. Now, he can make impact plays. Yes, he can show up at times. Yes. Uh but I don't think that you look at him like I compare Frank Clark with Chris Jones. You know when Chris Jones is not on the man. field. You know that. And and I think after games if Chris Jones doesn't play, there is a a pretty clear indication when he doesn't. And I think you can say, oh, man, like we really miss Chris Jones or during the Willie Gay suspension. Man, we really missed Willie Gay. I'm not sure that anybody is going to necessarily say over the next two games, man, we really missed Frank Clark out there. Uh, and that's why it was so surprising to me when the Chiefs did decide to bring him back, because 
I don't think, yeah, he, he helped them get to a Super Bowl, and he has had impact plays. He had that safety on Jimmy Garoppolo last week. I get it. I understand it. But I'm not sure there's really ever been a time that I've watched a game and I've been like, man, the difference maker defensively is Frank Clark. I just don't, I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, it's it. Look, it will have an impact. There's no question. He's better than replacement value. I'm not saying Frank Clark is, you know, doesn't have value to this team. He absolutely does, and he's an important piece to this team. But yeah, to your point, not the most important piece. And they're at a point where they can work around it. And quite frankly, no pun intended, this may be a good opportunity to get somebody some reps to help the Chiefs evaluate whether or not they need to go make a move at the position. Right? And I don't even know who that would be. But maybe somebody's able to step up here and show them something. Because Frank Clark's not a long-term piece for the Chiefs anymore. Um, you know, maybe this year, maybe, you know, I don't know how long he has. But taking this point to evaluate when you're trying to decide if you need to make a trade isn't the worst thing in the world either. They would much rather have Frank Clark than not have him. He definitely makes the defense better. All of those things can be true at the same time to say this should not be any reason that the Chiefs shouldn't win the next two games. This should not impact or change this, the Chiefs' overall trajectory for this season. The Willie Gay suspension was far more impactful, I think, than this one will be, or should be, whether it will be or not, should be. And let's not lose sight of the fact when these things happen, whether it be Willie Gay or Frank Clark or uh, whoever it might be, Mistakes were made, right? Like it wasn't like we're not we're not going to sit here and act like Frank Clark didn't do anything wrong. And let's let's not redirect our issues with whatever else other than the fact the timing of the suspension is fine, but it's only fine because it's the way it always works. There is probably a bigger conversation, Tommy, to have. Is this the way it should work? I'm pretty agnostic on that, again, because I don't understand it to begin with. I don't know what has to go into that. I don't know what has to go into that in conversations between the league and the players' union. I don't know what has to go into that legally. I don't know what has to go into that contractually. So for me to sit here and just say, oh, well, they should do this faster would be me being irresponsible because I, I just don't know, and I'm perfectly fine saying that I don't know that. Like, I don't know that process at all. Yeah, my only issue with the process is that it, it just sort of seems random. Like, I understand that, you know, you they want to let the legal process play out. I get all of that. But again, like I mentioned before, I feel like the legal process wrapped up with Frank Clark um, a while ago. And, you know, the, the decision is just now being made that it's the next two games, kind of arbitrarily, the next two games he's going to be suspended. Um, and, and so I, I feel like I, I wish that there was a little bit more of a a decisive and, and maybe transparent and clear timeline that is communicated um, by the NFL. You know, we have a certain amount of time after the legal process is wrapped up to make a, a final decision. And, and maybe they already have that, uh, but it's just not being communicated. Um, you know, so that's probably my only issue with it. But I, I'm not at all going to sit here and say that it's unfair or that he shouldn't. He absolutely should be punished. He, he, he had... AR-15s in the back of his car. He absolutely, and not once, but twice, uh, he absolutely should be held accountable for that. Um, in the same way that that Willie Gay Jr. 
was held accountable. I think it was an Uzi. For... I think it was an Uzi in the front seat of his car. The second okay. time, regardless, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. like that, that's the you know, that's a that's a major issue. Uh, but in the same way, Willie Gay Jr. was held accountable for his transgressions. Uh, I, I I don't have any issue with that, and I don't think any Chiefs fan should. I don't. You know, if you're a Chiefs fan and you're like, man, there's no reason why Frank Clark should have been. Yeah, he should have been. And he, he was, and he was held accountable, and that's absolutely the right decision. Um, but when you look at the depth chart, and I, I want to I compare and contrast the Willie Gay and the Frank Clark situation. You look at the depth chart behind those two guys, there's a much greater drop-off, in my opinion, at the linebacker position from Willie Gay to Nick Bolton and Darius Harris than there is from Frank Clark to George Karloftis and Carlos Dunlap. Um, I, I think that overall, yeah, the Chiefs need a better pass rush attack from the edge, but I feel like, and, and nothing against Nick Bolton and Darius Harris, they played their tails off when Willie Gay was suspended, but from a talent perspective, it's night and day from Willie Gay to those two guys. I think that with Frank Clark out and to your point about other players getting reps, this is an opportunity for George Karloftis. He leads all rookie edge rushers in pressures through seven weeks. He has 20 pressures through seven weeks. He has not been able to convert those pressures into sacks though. He has one sack. This is an opportunity for George Karloftis in the next two weeks to show out and show that he can convert those pressures into sacks. Carlos Dunlap brings a veteran presence. He's, you know, lost a step, no doubt about it. But I think the, the drop-off is significantly less from Frank Clark to those other guys than when you look at Willie Gay and the guys that backed him up. Oh, I, I totally agree. And and I don't, I, it's hard for me because I don't want to come into this conversation sounding like a Frank Clark hater. And, and I know that people think that I am. Um, but I'm not. Again, I just like I call it like I see it. I'll let you know if I'm a hater. I'll fully admit, like the Astros in the World Series. I'm a hater. Okay, I I can like I'll happily admit that. Right? I've never been a hater on Frank Clark. I've just been an observer and thought they gave up way too much to get him. They paid him way too much, and he hasn't been worth the contract. I was right in the beginning. Then he helped him win a Super Bowl. So that's the counter to that, which I'll fully, you know, I'm 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 fine with that. He helped he helped win a Super Bowl, so maybe it was worth it. That doesn't make it a good deal or a good contract. It was not. And I got Tommy, I got roasted for even considering that take at the time. From people here, from people in Kansas City, people could not believe I did not like that trade. Didn't like it because I didn't think he was that kind of player. And he hasn't been that kind of player. He's still not that kind of player, never has been that kind of player outside of a few individual performances. And in one year, those came in really critical times to help them win a Super Bowl. But overall, to give up the pick capital that they gave and then the and then to pay him what they did. And by the way, the Chiefs don't think he was worth it either. They restructured his contract. It He's just not that good. He's, he's definitely better than, you know, replacement value right now. I'm not saying that, but I think there is still, even today, an inflated view of his importance on this defense. I think I the be, Chiefs are going to be fine. Uh, I want to be perfectly clear that the next two games, without Frank Clark, they're going to be okay. And <laughs> well, they, they better got, be rid of it. They're going to be okay uh, in, in that unit. I really believe that. They've got George Karloftis. There's a reason why Kansas City drafted him 30th overall. First round draft pick. Uh, not only did they restructure Frank Clark's contract, they drafted an edge rusher, rusher in the first round. Um, 
George Karloftis is the future uh, for Kansas City at that unit. This is an opportunity for him to shine. Uh, it's the right move to suspend him, but from a football perspective, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Oh, man. All right. Well, there's that bit of news. 869-1240. You can chime in. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with Brian Haney. Want to get his his thoughts on, and we'll talk a little KU football here, but really want to take the opportunity on the bye week to talk a little KU hoops because the college basketball season is right here and the defending national champions are right up the road in Lawrence. We'll talk to the voice of the Jayhawks when we return on Sports Daily. Everybody, Sports Daily, KFH, Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster. Uh, Jad is tracking down Brian Haney. We'll get to that uh, in just a minute. Let's look ahead at the World Series while we got a few uh, minutes here, Tommy. Phillies, Astros, from an objective standpoint, how do you see this series going? Not, not who are we rooting for, because I think that's pretty clear. Nobody's rooting for the Astros, but... From just an objective standpoint, how, how do you like this? The Phillies get plus 143-ish right now to win the series. I put a little on that. Um, I think it's worth it when they've got some momentum coming in. The problem is so do the Astros, right? The Astros have always had momentum. It's not like, and I think that's been a fallacy at looking at this series, that the Phillies are this hot team of destiny. The Astros just steamrolled the Yankees and have been also really hot and have an insanely good roster. They haven't lost a single game this postseason. <laughs> I mean, that's remarkable. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard when you um, think about the Phillies and, and the role that they're on and, and, you know, how great they've played. And they have. I'm not taking anything away from them. It's, it's awesome. I love to see Bryce Harper uh, get his. That's, that's incredible. Then you look at the competition and they haven't lost a game this postseason. Um, so, yeah, as much as the Phillies are on a roll, the Astros are a juggernaut and it makes it tough to pick against them. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, until the Astros prove otherwise, I think it's got to be them. I'm still picking the Phillies. Um, here, I, here's why I like the Phillies. And a good chance and a good chance is because they've got two frontline starting pitchers and and you just kind of throw them up against the others and and I think that their lineup has some pop. I mean, I think it's pretty even, honestly. Uh but we'll talk more about that game one comes on Friday. Okay. Uh Brian Haney's here. Let's hit the intro Jad and we'll get into some KU talk. It's that time Sports Daily getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. And we welcome in Brian Haney. And, uh, you know, it's an off week for football. We'll spend a couple of minutes here with football to react to what we saw last week. Um, and then I want then we want to talk a little hoops because we got late night at the fog in the books. We got the exhibition opener coming up. What is that on Thursday of next week? Uh, the third. Yeah, that's a Thursday. So a week from tomorrow. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Football wise, uh, Brian, another slow start. But nice finish for Kansas, but still chasing that sixth win in bowl eligibility. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot positive you can take from that second half, certainly. And yet, before we get to that, it's interesting. You know, if, if Jalen Daniels does come back after the bye, and we don't know that for a fact just yet, but he was in uniform on Saturday and even was, uh, you know, tossing the football around lightly on the sidelines before doing the coin toss. Um, before, you know, we, we, we see what he can do in November, I think we're going to look back on the timing of his injury and think, man, if we would have just had him for Norman and Waco, surely, you know, we, we could pull one of those out of the fire. And that's that's not to uh, you know diminish the job that Jason Beans tried to do filling in, but obviously it was a rough first half of the Kansas offense as a whole, O-line, running game, passing, all that. And, and I think that, you know, depending on how much longer the absence is for Jalen, and we just don't know, but this was a key window where I, I think if his injury comes you know, two weeks later, uh, we probably already have that sixth win sewed up by now. I genuinely believe that. So who knows? But you can't go back and change that, obviously. You just got to play the hand you're dealt. And Kansas was obviously dealt about as tough of an injury hand as, as, as you could have when it comes to who was hurt, when they were hurt uh, in the middle of this season. In fact, Lance Leipold was asked about that in his press conference on Monday. They did things a little bit differently this week with just a head coach's press conference uh, a day early, and then they are letting the guys focus on the bye week from there. But he said, yeah, you know, he, he was asked point blank, is this, is this you know, worse than your typical injury year? How does this stack up all time? And he doesn't want to make excuses. and He doesn't want to get in the weed on is this the worst ever and that kind of thing. But he said, you know, it, it would be fair to say that, you know, this particular year based on who the injuries came to and, and the way they piled up in rapid-fire fashion in consecutive weeks, that this is on the worst end of, of some of the all-time you know, tough luck injury seasons. But I think we got a great shot to get a lot of these guys back. Not all of them, but I, I think the bye week comes at a really good time. But to, to dive back into your original question, you know, it, it was a missed opportunity in Waco, but you love the fight in the second half because I can't tell you how many times we've gone down there and, and you know, the four-score deficit piles up. It's turn out the lights, this thing's over. Let's just get into damage control and, and uh, you know, try not to lose by 50. This club did the opposite. They came out swinging in the second half ever since that, that scoop and scamper happened with Jeremy Robinson. We can't call it scoop and score because the big fella lumped 40-plus yards didn't quite get to the end zone. But that turned the whole game around. And Kansas scores 20 consecutive points at one point to cut it to five and really put the pressure on Baylor. And so the fight and resolve and mental toughness I think, you know, was was clearly way different than, than what we've seen out of previous teams that when dealt similar starts would have just folded up the tent. And that speaks to the leadership at the top and some of the captains and leadership you have throughout the program as players. So I was really proud of that effort. And, and I know that, you know, most only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades and it doesn't count at all when you try to get bowl eligibility. But that, that gave me a little bit of hope heading into the bye week, um, you know, that, that, that these guys aren't that far away. And I know the schedule is tough in November. It is, man. Oklahoma State, Texas, at Texas Tech, at K-State, it, it's going to be tough. But if we get some of these pieces back, and, and who knows, again, specifically on, on Jalen's return, 
But but I think you know there's a much better chance as we talked today than there was a couple of weeks ago in, in looking at well how fast is he going to heal and when could you possibly see him return? I, I think we're much more hopeful now than we were two weeks ago. Uh, and I, I think it's it's absolutely within grasp that this team will go out and still win another game or two in November. And it doesn't matter how it comes, who it comes against, what it looks like, man. Just punt that ticket for your first bowl game since the 2008 Insight Bowl. And, and what a huge, huge accomplishment that would be for this program. And all of our guys are still tugging hard on that rope to try to make that happen. Brian, I want to get your take on uh, the the press conference from Lance Leipold on Monday where he mentioned the, the change in this program from a year ago uh, where, you know, the, the Jayhawks lost by 12 to Oklahoma and the fans stood up and clapped. And then the Jayhawks lose by 12 against Baylor and fans are frustrated. And, and that kind of shows the program is where it needs to be and heading in the right direction. Your take on Leipold's thoughts on that and uh, where, where you think the program is right now. Yeah, it was it was kind of an eye-opening moment for Coach a year ago when he showed up at Hawk Talk that night and got the standing ovation, and he was just taken aback that, that the crowd would react like that after a close loss that, that wasn't even a win. And keep in mind, this is a guy who was the fastest to 100 wins collegiately all time and just won you know 30 games in four seasons at Buffalo, and so he's not used to celebrating close. Uh, and, and so he whispered to his wife in that moment, are they really giving us a standing ovation for losing close? Man, we, we could really do something special here. We, we could really, you know, show these fans what it really feels like to give a standing ovation behind a momentous victory and, and, and a program that gets it rolling continuously. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that was an eye-opening moment. And, and I think he's also proud of the fact that even the fans' expectations have changed just 12 months later. Uh, and that, that obviously fuels his fire all the more to, to find a way to win another one in the final month. But it definitely uh, has, has completely, you know, when you start off 5-0 and and you get ESPN College Game Day here and you double the uh, original projected win total in the eyes of the odds makers, you double it your first five games of the season you know, for a, a season win total of two and a half. I mean, it, that was incredible what they did. But with any team, no matter what sport you play or what level, when you overachieve in the eyes of, of preseason expectation versus in-season reality, as much as Kansas overachieved in the first month, everybody kind of adjusts what they expect and hope. But I, I would like to think that most Kansas fans are realistic in knowing that, you know, just because they've lost three in a row, uh, it, it doesn't mean anything in the first five weeks of school's goal. We, we've been without our top quarterback, who was a Heisman Trophy top six candidate at the time of his injury. We've been without who I think is our most explosive running back. And the, the loss at running back becomes more and more glaring, I think, the deeper we get into this. And that's not to slight Devin Neal or, or Sevion Morrison or Kai Thomas or anybody behind Daniel Hyshaw. But there were just certain things Daniel can do that I don't think the other four bring as consistently. And that one has been as glaring, um, almost so, as, as the quarterback. So I, I think you can't underplay the value of that and, and the role he could have played the last couple of weeks. So and Kobe Bryant, I, I think his injury is much more short term. Hopefully he's back for Oklahoma State. But the point is, um, you know, Kansas has, has gone against some tough opponents. I mean, Oklahoma and Baylor's case, back in September, they were both ranked in the top 10, even though they've not proven to be that good. They were ranked that high for a reason. They're talented. So, you know, don't feel bad for losing to talented teams on their home field when you're shorthanded. 
but understand that there's things we could have done better that, that might have led the wins, even if we were shorthanded, had we executed better and not dug a 14-0 hole and that kind of thing like we saw this past week. And so our guys are learning from that. They're not uh, licking their wounds with their heads down or anything. They're absolutely feeling like they've got a great shot to accomplish everything they set out to accomplish, including the postseason. And uh, that's what they'll, they'll attack, even in this bye week. You know, they're still practicing this week. They'll, they'll get a couple of days off. But, you know, it's full speed ahead. And hopefully uh, you come back a, a refreshed team that's also healed up at some key spots, including Luke Graham, who we didn't see last Saturday either. All right, let's talk a little hoops, Brian. Uh, you guys have uh, late night in the books here. We've got Pitt State coming up a week from tomorrow before uh, November 7th, true opener. Um, we've spent some time here. We were up there yesterday for media day. We've really, for obvious reasons, been focused on Grady Dick, uh, the local kid who's lit the world on fire in high school and now is in Lawrence. Uh, Bill Self has not been selfish with the praise on Grady Dick. He's laid it on, and Dick embraces that. His teammates seem to think highly of him. Let's start with Grady Dick, the local kid. How, how good could he be as a freshman? For KU, of all the great freshmen you've seen come through there, where where does Dick stand at this point before we've even played a game? Well, you know that's that's a tough one to answer, but I'll do my best. I, I think uh, last week when we talked and I was live from T-Mobile Center, Coach took the podium about an hour and a half later, and his best quote of the day, the entire day in any interview he did, was about Grady, and he referenced two guys that, that both have their jersey number hanging in the rafters, Brandon Rush and Mario Chalmers, not comparing him to them, but saying that those two guys were back for some recent practices and they watched the jump shot and the release point and, and the mechanics and the consistency and the confidence and all the things that go into Grady from downtown. And they were so impressed. And they, they said, as, as guys that have played the NBA and, and, and won world championships, how do you guard that when he's six, eight and he releases it above his head like that, the release point, it's, it's just almost unguardable at the collegiate level. And then coach talked about his confidence with which he'll fire off these shots. He said, you know, he could miss 10 in a row and he, he's convinced the next one's going in. He has that, that, you know, bullish confidence and short-term memory on the, on the ones that don't go through. And, and so to hear Kansas legends just marvel at what his, God-given physique coupled with his hard work and, and developed shots and mechanics and all that has put forth to hear that a, a certain aspect of a rookie's game is unguardable. I mean, man, that's, that's an eye-opening quote. And then to hear Bill Self talk about his confidence, I mean, that's something this team is going to need more of is, is outside shooting and consistency from the, the jump shotting component of this offense. I mean, we, we don't have – the throw it inside of Udoka and get two and a half dunks a game. We don't have the, you know, run good offense and get the ball on the block and David McCormick, you can count on two points because he's within five feet type of thing. Ernest and Zuby and Zach are going to get better, but they're all really young. And I, I love the upside, by the way, of Ernest Duday and, and, and Zuby Ejiofor. Uh, but we're talking about 18-year-old kids. And so Kansas needs to be a team that, that scores off the bounce before defenses get set up in transition. And they need to be a team that makes jump shots. And, and Grady has a chance to be, you know, arguably our best outside shooter when he's on. And, uh, and so, yes, there's a lot of excitement there. Now, to, to compare him to the all-time great freshmen that come in here, tough to say because, as you know, 
uh, you know, self demands and commands so much defensively out of his guys. And that's, that's an area of Grady's game where I think eventually he will excel, but that's also probably one of the biggest adjustments for, for high school players to D one major college. And, Oh yeah. If you haven't heard we're playing Duke, Indiana and Kentucky in non-con this year. So our guys will get you know, baptized in the, in the D one powerhouses pretty quickly, but um, you know, adjusting to, to guarding bigger, faster, stronger athletes and, and staying in front and, and all of that at the level that self demands out of his guys. That's something everybody's adjusting to. That's not being constructive on Grady. That's, that's talking about, all these newcomers and you know, the returning players that are still maturing. But I, I think to try to qualify, where does he rank and all that? I, I think you got to look at both ends of the floor and you got to understand that uh, he, he's a, a work in progress as, as a total player, but I'm telling you what, you know, I, I love the way he's fit in. And uh, obviously this is Jalen and, and Dewan's team, but he's got some moxie and some confidence to step in right away while still deferring to those guys. Uh, but, but knowing that they can count on him if his number is called, he's busting his tail in practice every day. He's being coached and, and, and is very coachable. You know, when, when the coaches have something to go over with him, he's not some kind of, you know, national high school player of the year prima donna that thinks he has it all figured out. That's what I love about Grady. Like he's, he's willing to take hard coaching and, and come back stronger for it. And, and that's, you know, credit to him and his parents and, and the way he was raised. So, uh, I, I think that Grady's going to be, you know, a special, special talent here. But it's hard to to say. Okay, is he going to be Josh Jackson? Is he going to be Andrew Wiggins? Is he going to be, you know, some of these amazing one and dones they've had? There's not a a natural comparison there that fits right away, right out the gate. But let's let's re-ask that question. And I promise I'm not dodging it. But let's re-ask it uh, when these guys break for for finals first week in December, and we kind of have a little bit better feel. Of, of him against real competition and, and how he's acclimating and adjusting. And then we can start to, to make some of those comparisons and, and rankings and all that. But he's doing everything the coaches are asking him and, and obviously is, is a fan favorite already for so many reasons. And I can't wait to see what it looks like this season. Talking to Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks here on Sports Daily. And, you know, Brian, this team uh, lost a lot. No David McCormick this upcoming season. No Ochai Abaji, no Christian Brown, no Remy Martin. But let's talk about the returners. Jalen Wilson is back. Dewan Harris is back. They add a veteran piece in Kevin McCuller. How do you feel, uh, especially with McCuller coming in from Texas Tech, that these, these veterans on the team, the older guys, are going to be able to gel and push this team forward? Well, McCuller could not have been a better fit for Bill Self, his system, and what he expects out of his guys. And we've alluded to this on previous reports, his defensive prowess, uh, his versatility. He can play the one through the four. He's selfless, hardworking, uh, we over me. I mean, he, he fits every Bill Self mantra to a T. And it's a classic case of, you know, you, you watch a guy on the opposition, you think, man, I wish we had him, and boy, he looked good in crimson and blue. And then once it was made known that he was looking to transfer and into the portal, uh, you know, the courtship began, and, and uh, coach reached out, and, and it's great that it came together like that. But how many times have you, you know, watched somebody and thought, man, he looked good on our team? Well, I think that's the way Bill felt for the last few years about Kevin McCuller. So he steps in and gives you a veteran presence next to Jalen and next to Dewan that, you know, as, as Bill Self quoted yesterday – is a championship caliber starter, meaning we could win a national title with a player like that. And to be fair, there's only a couple of those on this roster that, that are proven to be championship caliber because 
Bill will be very quick to point out, while he loves the fact that KJ and Zach and Joseph Yesifu and some of these other guys are coming back as defending national champs, they didn't play meaningful roles in New Orleans like DeWan and Jalen did. And so, you know, when, when Self's getting after these guys and reminding them what they still have to prove, he'll say, hey, we only got two guys that really did any heavy lifting on that team. Uh, but he considers Kevin someone that, that's, uh, you know, has played on a championship caliber level, even though he doesn't have a national championship. He's, he's played for a top 10 team. He, he knows what it takes to go through those fights and win those battles. And so it's, it's absolutely a cut from the same cloth situation with McCuller as it is to those first two guys I mentioned in Harris and Wilson. And then from there, you know, you've obviously got other newcomers you're excited about that are going to fill in. I just think to be fair and to be honest, it's going to take a little bit of time before this thing looks like a well-oiled machine and they don't necessarily get afforded a whole lot of time based on how difficult this non-conference schedule is. I mean, it's always ambitious at Kansas. It just seems especially challenging this year. So Preseason top five, tied with Baylor, fifth in the nation in the AP poll. Will they look like a top five team right out the gate? Probably not, just, just based on the youth and, and all that you're replacing, as, as you alluded to, with three starters and Remy Martin also gone. But stick with them. Know that, uh, to use the expression, let the cake bake, we got the ultimate baker in, in that kitchen when it comes to getting teams to click and come together, and that's the Hall of Famer Bill Self and, and Bill We Trust. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, but – Will there be growing pains when you lose that much off a title team? Absolutely. Uh, but the guys you replace them with all have a ton of potential. And thankfully, as you astutely pointed out, Kevin is, is a much more plug-and-play, well-seasoned type guy. So at least one of those spots is, is a polished you know, plug-in type player that you're not going to have to you know, teach the, the basics and, and, and the very beginning, you know, type stuff the elementary stuff too right out the gate it's uh it's going to be awesome and and i do love seeing the growth of these bill self teams over the it's one it's one of the great things that we get to see every year why he's one of the best in the business all right brian well enjoy the uh, bye week i'm sure you have nothing to do and you can just lay around sleep in maybe <laughs> as you uh rest up for before ku football gets going again next week yeah yeah you know how it works you know all too well we had media day yesterday and uh, all staff meeting today and we're doing all of our basketball uh billboards and, and game liners and everything so it's it's a busy week even without a football game but we embark upon the busiest month of the year here in a few days i have literally two nights without a game a speaking engagement or a hawk talk in the month of november so we're bracing for it but it's always an exciting time of year and just think how much fun november could be if the football team does clinch bowl eligibility and KU basketball gets to play in the Champions Classic and the battle for Atlantis, I mean, we could be on the heels of a really special month. So I can't wait to break it all down with you guys in the weeks ahead. All right. We appreciate it, Brian, and we always appreciate these visits each and every Wednesday here on Sports Daily. That's right, Big Thanks to the Mattress Hub for sponsoring these reports. Really appreciate all that they do to make these possible. And I told you before, I went through the mattress purchasing process with them this past spring and summer and initially tried one product that wasn't the right fit for my back, settled on another because they gave me 100 days to try it out and make sure it's the fit. And they'll do the same for you. It's, it's excellent customer service above and all, all else. I think customer service is their best thing. But the selection, the pricing, everything is, is five-star first class when it comes to the folks at the Mattress Hub. So check them out today at mattresshub.com. Do what I did, experience that first-class customer service, and start getting the best night's sleep of your life today at the Mattress Hub.
All right, there goes Brian Haney. We will chat with him again next Wednesday. That'll be right before we get an exhibition opener. It'll be ahead of the next football game. Lots to look forward to next week. If you missed anything, if you're just joining us from our conversation today, you can always go to kfhradio.com. Tommy and I will be back. We'll wrap up hour number one of Sports Daily on a Wednesday. that misses can still be a slam dunk with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with four legs or more, and if you miss one leg, you'll receive up to $25 back. Just opt into this promotion on BetMGM's app or website. With one-game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game from tons of bet types, including team and player props. So go ahead and take your favorite NBA star to score big, the home team to cover, and the over in the points. Opt into the promotion, then place an NBA one-game parlay wager of four legs or more, and you'll get up to 25 bucks back if you miss one leg. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager and physically present in Kansas to bet. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with the Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Uh, Tommy, have you ventured into any NBA betting yet this year? Uh, I've done a, a couple futures, uh, but I, I haven't really gone game by game yet. Um, I, I want to kind of get a little bit of a better feel for the the teams and kind of where they're, they're at right now. I still don't really know. Uh, and I don't think really anybody exactly knows um, outside of maybe Golden State, like who is dominant out there. Uh, but other than, yeah, a few futures haven't really done a lot. It's uh, it's an interesting adventure. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying. Um, it's something I got to learn. I'll tell you what I'm really excited for is college basketball. But the NBA has been fun. You know, the BetQL app, which is, you know, partner with us here at Odyssey, has been helpful as I try to lock back into the NBA regular season. It's something that, you know, sports wagering is going to help me do. I'll, I'll definitely pay more attention to it, but I can't wait for college basketball. College basketball is going to be a lot of fun when it comes to wagering. That's coming up right around the corner. All right, we're going to come back. We'll talk to Kevin Saul, Wichita State's athletic director, our bi-weekly visit. Get the latest on the baseball program. Look ahead to basketball and what lies to the finale here of our fall sports for the Shockers. That's all coming next. Kevin Saul joins Sports Daily right after this. 